This is Keep Up. I'm your host, Cynthia Dill. Today's Wednesday, May 11th, 2022, and I'm back in from collecting signatures after a a really great afternoon. I I can't tell you how much I enjoy this weather and walking around the lovely streets of Cape Elizabeth, Maine, and talking to my neighbors about affordable housing and other things, lots of other things. Like, for instance, today... I spoke with a woman whose husband just retired, and so they are joyfully planning this amazing trip around the world. Um, I spoke with a Washington Post columnist who now resides on Mitchell Road. Um, I've spoken with so many interesting people. One uh, woman who's owned her house for like almost 10 years but can't vote because she's not a resident wanted me to (laughs) work on allowing non-citizens to vote on municipal matters, but most of the people are, are just so um, concerned and lovely, and it's, and it's been wonderful. But there is, as many of you know, um, an army of Dunham Court zealots who are waging a somewhat um, big disinformation campaign. And um, so today's podcast, we're going to just clear up a few of the big um, bloopers that are floating around as so-called facts. And specifically, I want to refer to the website that is um, referred to in some of the, I would say they're kind of nasty. They're nasty because they're not true. The ads in the Cape Courier, uh, this affordablecape.com website that uh, was created by a Cape Elizabeth resident who works as a Wall Street banker in the business of affordable housing. He's a real estate relations manager who boasts of originating over $14 billion in financing for affordable housing projects. So this guy is in the business of making relationships, creating relationships with real estate developers and doing big deals around affordable housing. That's how he makes money. That's how his bank makes money. And it's sophisticated. It involves the low-income tax credits that are awarded by federal and state governments and then sold by the developers of affordable housing and brokered on Wall Street. So this guy's bank is kind of the, you know, these bankers, they're, uh, they do it all. They, um, they'll lend the money, they'll broker the tax credits. Um, so this guy's created a website. He, he says he doesn't have any affiliation with any of the real estate developers. He also doesn't say that he's in the business of making relationships with real, real estate developers. And you have to wonder why someone would go to such great lengths to create a website about facts about a petition that I created and nowhere on the website mention my name or all the resources that I have produced to inform people about Plan B for community housing. But Uh, In particular, he has as a resource a map depicting what he says is um, the site plan. And I would just like to alert Cape residents who are concerned that Plan B for community housing has anything to do with what's depicted on the map on this website, that it's just not the right location. He's depicting the Gullcrest parcel before it was joined with the Thomas Jordan land. He's depicting a map that was created in 1999, and it was colored you know, in, in magic marker by the town planner recently, just for the purpose of sort of undermining efforts to get ahead on community housing. But don't be alarmed. Uh, plan B for community housing <laughs> is not about uh, athletic fields, community gardens, and it's not about the wetlands. It's not... It's... Um, and it's um, 
it's not, I think, uh, credible that people who are experienced in this kind of thing can't read a proposed amendment for what it is. Um, the zoning that is proposed in Plan B, you know, it's Plan B, and some people could say it's B for as, like, brilliantly simple. BS, right? Brilliantly simple. Some people I know say it's BS. I say it's BS because it's brilliantly simple, and that is that community housing is defined as multiplex housing located on town-owned land for occupancy by tenants with low and or moderate income in the Residence A district with a minimum lot size of 10 acres. So this is the Residence A district, which is in Cape Elizabeth in the area of Spurwink Ave near the transfer station. And already in that district, multiplex housing is allowed on a 10-acre parcel. So already there is multiplex housing in the RA district. You just look at Colony Village and you see it. So there is already allowed multiplex housing in the RA district. Community housing would allow for the development of affordable housing, low and or moderate income on town home land on a 10-acre parcel. So the it's just a zoning amendment to enable the same type of project on the same size lot, but all other zoning laws apply, like wetlands. You can't just like you can't build multiplex housing in the RA zone on wetlands. You can't bring you you know you we won't be able to build community housing on wetlands in the RA zone either. So um, just sort of some common sense um, reading of Plan B, I think will clear up a lot of the confusion. Um, the financing, this guy who, you know, is not only an expert on Plan B, um, but he's an expert in financing, but he, his website, his, it's, he says in his um, Plan B Q&A, you know, the, the questions and answers about Plan B. Um, the petition that I drafted, and I, I don't even know this guy. I've never had a conversation with him. He's done nothing to respond to the article that I wrote with all the annotations supporting my entire argument. But anyways, he says here on his Q&A that um, the definition of community housing as proposed would appear to limit the ability of a developer to obtain federal tax credits as well as state subsidies, which utilize those same programs. Well, sorry, Mr. Expert, but you're wrong again because, well, first of all, you state incorrectly that the definition of community housing includes both low income and moderate income, and that's not correct. The simple, you know, a, a quick read of the language would demonstrate and does demonstrate that community housing is multiplex housing located on town-owned land for occupancy by tenants with low income and or moderate income. And the reason why that's important is because the low income tax credits are available to leased land and would be available for community housing. In fact, I have it confirmed by Mark Weisendanger, <laughs> the director of development at Maine Housing. He says to me in an email, um, uh, with Maine Housing, let's see. Mm, so, although, sorry about that. Okay, although it's easiest for the owner of the housing to own the land as well, leased land can be used for affordable housing projects in many cases. The low-income housing tax credit program allows it as long as the land is guaranteed for the entire affordability period. Okay, so not only that, but community housing would be eligible 
for main housing mortgages as well. So, so this guy who is an expert has the wrong land. He uses the wrong definition of, of community housing. Uh, and apparently it doesn't know that financing is available through the main housing authority <clears throat> and the utilization of these tax credits, which is exactly how the Dunham Court project was going to be financed. So there is simply no evidence. In fact, there, there's evidence to the contrary that what he says in his website is true. So I would just urge all of you to be mindful that there's this small but um, vocal group of um, Dunham Court zealots who have a lot at stake. This guy, I think, is, I can't help, uh, my opinion is that he is trying to show the developers of Dunham Court just how tough a guy and what a good friend he is to them. I mean, why else would this guy create a website about Plan B and, and, and not take my intent to create community housing as sincere? I've never met this guy. And I, like I said, I mean, I've served in public capacity. My intent and the intent of everyone who signs the Plan B petition is to try and solve the problem of a housing shortage and try to develop some decent, affordable housing for families in Cape Elizabeth and for our workforce. And, and my personal goal, my personal quest, is to include refugee housing for families, families of, of you know, ref, refugees. And, and that's sincere, and there's nothing that he has in his website that, that contradicts that. So, and lastly, I just want to comment on the process. You know, this guy asks about, you know, well, is this the normal process? And in his answer, this, you know, expert, Yoda, the banker, the Wall Street banker. He says that, you know, this isn't a regular process. Like he, he somehow suggests that the process of putting the Dunham Court petition up for referendum is irregular or that my efforts or the, the Plan B community housing proponents' efforts are irregular, but they're not because all, all of this, whether it's the process that led to the development of Dunham Court and this town, you know, town center affordable housing amendments, or the process that put the question out to referendum, or the process that puts Plan B on the ballot, is based in the charter. So, let's just talk about the process, the normal process that Cape Elizabeth has been operating under for the last, I don't know, 25 years, that has led to the downtown that we all don't particularly like. <laughs> so that process was the real estate developers had Zoom meetings with the town staff, of which there are no notes or public records available to inspect. After a series of Zoom meetings, suddenly Dunham Court, it wasn't named then at the time, but this housing project is on the agenda for a workshop. And before you know it, there's an amendment that's proposed. Before the amendment was even voted on, the town council on the recommendations of staff, authorized the TIF to be studied, and we spent a lot of money working up draft documents for a TIF for a private developer, non-resident, for a project that, you know, w was just a PowerPoint presentation. And then there's a five to two vote after a series of public hearings where nobody can doubt the passion of people who really had concerns with not only the process that led to Dunham Court, 
the amendment of the zoning, no notice to property owners that are within a stone's throw away, including myself. My house is like I can see where Dunham Court would be developed and I didn't get the typical notice from the planning office. And of course they have some excuse, but the bottom line is people were not happy. And we have the right after the town council votes on an ordinance pursuant to the charter. Okay, Article 2 gives the town council all of its powers to enact ordinances by a majority vote, and they did that. And the town charter in Article 8 gives the citizens the power to, within 20 days after the town council enacts an ordinance, to put it out for referendum. And the citizens did that. And I might just add that the PR campaign by the developer was pretty sophisticated, involved a lot of money, okay, a lot of glossy uh, marketing materials were mailed to residents, including myself. Um, It was very glitzy. The Cape Elizabeth volunteers who petitioned to put the question out for referendum had no money raised whatsoever. It was a diverse cross-section of Cape Elizabeth volunteers from all walks of life, all political parties that gathered signatures to have a vote. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's our right. And instead of just having the vote, instead of defending the project on the merits, the developer forfeited. And so there are people who now are lashing out at those of us who wanted to simply get the question on the ballot because it's a huge investment. $13.5 million to build all public subsidy, a 30-year TIF public subsidy, I mean, all kinds of public costs associated with it that were not going to result in housing that would include kids or our workforce. So there's very legitimate reasons why the citizens of Cape Elizabeth put this question up for referendum. We don't know what the reason is for the developer to walk away. Sure, there's been comments that somehow some political backlash, but let's face it, the only thing that happened was a few, you know, people spoke up at meetings about and that was their right at a public hearing. There was no violence. There was no threatened violence. We simply wanted to get it on the ballot. The developer walks away. These supporters of Dunham Court are so bitter about it that now they are just trying to kill a competing idea, a good idea, instead of welcoming an argument on the merits of their model come November, since we're still voting on it. The two lots are still for sale if Plan A, the so-called of town center affordable housing amendments passes, Dunham Court will be back. Maybe it won't be Zanton, but it'll be another development company because it's allowed. (laughs) And there's a great way to make a lot of money. That's why the banker is trying to get the deal. This is how people make money. And yes, in some towns, in some communities, a big low-income housing project is needed, and therefore it makes sense. In Cape Elizabeth, it's not needed because we're not a low-income town, and what we do is educate kids, and this excludes kids and it excludes our workforce. So um, the process that led to Dunham Court was just exactly that, and the developer forfeited. The process and the power for the people to get Dunham Court at you know on referendum is in Article 8 of the Charter, and in Article 8 of the Charter, there also is power and process for citizens to put their own zoning amendment out for referendum, to put their own zoning amendment on the books if they can complete the process. And one is not greater than the other. The town councilors or the people who think that somehow the town council vote has more weight, it, they're simply wrong. It's a, it's a, this is what 
checks and balances look like. If you're an elected official and you go out on a limb and take a vote that is contrary, so contrary to the public will that 10% of people want to put it out to a question, it goes out to a question. That's the process. If you don't like the process, don't take the job. And if you don't like the process as the banker, well, you know, tough luck. Maybe you should budget in next time some funds to just run a quick campaign if Dunham Court is so good, if it's so worthy, Cape Elizabeth will vote for it. Cape Elizabeth, we're good people in Cape Elizabeth. We do a lot of really good things. But one thing we don't like to do is spend money foolishly for trumped-up causes. So you have the process that has served these special interests for all these years that has resulted in Cape Elizabeth downtown looking exactly the way we don't want it, with a bunch of disparate, empty businesses, not the thriving downtown that a, a real, uh, I think, a better process might might produce. So there's nothing wrong with citizens saying, hey, this is an idea. You want to put affordable housing in the center of town. We say we can't afford it, and it doesn't belong in the center of town because it's not good for kids, and it excludes the workforce, and it costs too much, and we want to put it over on land that was left to the town for that purpose. And and, and the land is not the athletic fields, it's not the community gardens. I have a, an email from our town manager, Matt Sturgis, who confirms. He says, the 77 acres that I think you're referring to as part of the original parcel is the segment where the town recycling facility is as well as the public works facility, Portland Water District facility, and the 180-foot communications tower. None of this acreage is part of the Gullcrest parcel. This would be north of the Gullcrest parcel. So there you have it. There, there's land left to us by Thomas Jordan. That includes some of these things. And if there's 10 acres that we can do community housing on, it would be allowed. That's what Plan B is all about. And the reason why I think there's 10 acres and the reason why I'm really excited about Plan B, the reason why I think it's such a good idea, and again, it's not my idea. Thomas Jordan and his wife Mary left the land, but now that we're talking about affordable housing, this makes a lot of sense. The reason why I think there's enough room is because if you look at the Goldcrest Master Plan, which is on that website, it's probably the only helpful thing that the banker has on his website, but he cites it for the wrong reason. But if you look on page um, two, uh, the introduction uh, of the Goldcrest Master Plan, it says, um, the town of Cape Elizabeth purchased the 113-acre Gullcrest parcel in 1998. So that's the parcel that is depicted as the site plan on the website that the banker created. This parcel combined with the previously owned 64-acre parcel. That's the Thomas Jordan land, which includes the transfer station, sewer treatment plant, and casual trails. And then it says this is the total combined acreage is 177 acres. And this is the important point. It goes on to say, including the Public Works Department facility, the transfer station, the two multi-purpose recreational fields with supporting parking facilities, as well as the organized play areas for youth of Cape Elizabeth, utilize approximately 15 acres of the overall parcel. So for those people who say that there's not enough room, <laughs> I say uh, there's, there's enough room. There's enough room at the inn in Cape Elizabeth. For those people who say 
I, I can't even believe, they say with a straight face in this ad, that the development of community housing in the RA zone would be challenged because of lack of infrastructure, have no idea, I guess, that the, not only the, you know, if there's a sewer, um, you know, that if there is a um, public works department facility that includes the water department as well as the sewage treatment plant, on, on this huge acres, you, you got to believe that there's some pretty big pipes going in there. Um, so the, the infrastructure argument is just a complete uh, red herring. There's a major road, Spurwink, and then there's a major roadway into the transfer station, and there's all kinds of infrastructure. There's internet because of the new communications tower. There's water. There's, I mean, it. <laughs> so the, um, the facts, you know, I think in the end, hopefully will come out, but you're not going to find a lot of facts on this website that the banker made, um, the senior real estate relations manager who, you know, specializes in the business of affordable housing from New York City, which I love New York City, by the way. I was born in New York, and I have family live there, and I l get there as often as I can. Um, but I know, <laughs> I know a thing or two about, um, you know, relations and you don't you know you don't create a website and go to great lengths at defending one real estate project over another if the intent is to create affordable housing it may be that Cape Elizabeth doesn't need some of these bells and whistles and that's what this banker guy doesn't like like that's what these people don't like is that there these products out there these package deals that make a gazillion bucks for for big cats and they look good and shiny on the outside because they check all the boxes about you know they're called affordable housing but really they're low-income housing uh, and they're depicted as a long-term solution when they're a really short-term fix and they're not in the public's interest and so um, I hope you just kind of be mindful that um, the process that we're engaged in is a privilege, and and I'm going to go back to the Ukraine war, and and I'm going to state with just absolute sincerity that there's no reason why we can't, in Cape Elizabeth, do something to alleviate the shortage of housing for people in our town, including families in the workforce, as well as develop some housing that could welcome refugees, including refugees from Ukraine. And when I think about the reason why we're having this refugee worldwide crisis, the reason why millions of women and children mostly are fleeing Ukraine is because of democracy. They're fighting over democracy, right? Vladimir Putin wants to take over Ukraine and install a puppet government and be a dictator. And what the Ukrainians want is democracy. And this process that we are engaging in in Cape Elizabeth, putting questions out for public ballot, <clears throat> putting proposed laws on the ballot, is, is what they're fighting for. And so I'm going to keep fighting for it. And I hope you keep fighting for it. And I'm not going to let disinformation by Wall Street and a bunch of bitter Dunham Court zealots who are, I, I, I'm ashamed to say, stooping to the lowest level of politics, frivolously making spurious accusations of lying. It's so beneath our town, but thankfully they're a minority, 
And thankfully, I think better, cooler heads will prevail and the truth will prevail. And that's what I want. And that's why I hope you'll stick with me here on Keep Up with Cynthia Dill. And until next time, this is Cynthia Dill signing off. Take care.